Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. for Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Welcome to Simple Faith today. Uh, I'm here today with Mike Whitney. Uh, He's uh, filling in for Bob Bomier today. Bob had some other things going on. Uh, Mike, uh, I think the first time I met you, you were interviewing me on a radio station. That that was a long time ago, a brother. Long, long time ago. Long, long we time won't ago. even get into that. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to look across and see you again. And, Same here. And I'm looking forward to uh, today with you. We've got uh, we've got uh, Ken Barber with us from Kairos Ministries. He's back for a, a, a second round with us, and uh, we're happy to have you today, Bob. Or Bob. Uh, <laughs> My, my brain is uh, still not kicked in yet, but uh, we're glad to have you here, Ken, and, Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you in a little bit. I had a blast this morning. I hear you did. I just had so Bob told me about much, that this morning, yeah, yeah. So much fun today. We actually went out uh, to Kennedy Park in Lewiston, and uh, we cooked um, blueberry pancakes for the homeless. Ooh. And uh, um, it was our first time. Uh, we're planning on being there um, Saturdays from... From about 8:30 till till noontime, uh, by the by the time we set up and, and clean up, we'll be right. out of there by noontime. Right. But um, you know, this kind of started for me uh, when we had that special program for uh, for the tragedy that we had in Lewiston. You know, we had uh, Laurel Libby came by and talked to us a little bit about um, about what's going on in the legal in in the state state thing. She you know she made a comment. She said. Uh, uh, this isn't going to get fixed by um, by politics and more laws and more government. And we had we had a fellow that came in and talked about PTSD and uh, and, uh, and and what that was like and what we could be facing here and the and, you know the people that had yeah. close contact with that yeah. and and, uh, and we had uh, a pastor here that talked about uh, the the prayer meeting that they had here in Kennedy Park during that time and it was quite an interesting conversation because. Uh, we talked about we talked about a wake up call, the, about there being a wake up call mm. for uh, for Christians here in, in Portland, and we talked about about uh, the usual course of events when we have something like this, like nine eleven. You know, we had this outpouring of the Spirit, and people were on their knees and praying for forgiveness and and uh, and, and revival and protection and the whole thing. But you know, once the funerals were over, yeah. you know, kind of just. Went, faded away. Faded away, and yeah. uh, and we're no better. In fact, probably worse off than we were before. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, as we talked about that, uh, we talked about you know what had happened during the uh, this this uh, this time in in Lewiston and the busloads of people that came from different churches and and uh, to help out and the resources that just poured into Lewiston and the compassion from all over the country that came here and the comment was made, you know. 
Wouldn't it be nice if uh, if if this kind of thing continued and in the the Christian community really stepped up to the plate and and uh, and this wake up call could turn into something really um, long term and productive. Mm. And you know, as we talked about that, you know, that requires leadership. Yes, that requires somebody to say, "This is my job. I'm called to do this." And uh, um, and uh, and you know the organizational part of it and the the the, uh, the communication parts of it that that could take place right. to keep this going and and uh, and so as we for the next three weeks you know we said who's leading this you know what's happening what are we going to do to keep the ball rolling here and uh, do you know what I heard what nothing really nothing there was no no hmm. I haven't heard it that doesn't mean there's not something going on. Right. We just don't know about it. You know, but if it's a secret, you know, why why are we keeping it a secret? Hmm. And um, so for three weeks, you know, we, we went through that. And, and I'm saying, God, you know, what's going on? This is such an opportunity for us to really be that light that Jesus called us to be in the community. And to uh, to um, and so I, you know, after three weeks, Saturday, I did it again. Sunday morning, I woke up and I had a I had a I had a thought. Now that's not a normal thing for me to have a thought <laughs> that early in the morning, <laughs> not that early, in the <laughs> or any time. You yeah. say it, and uh, and I thought, you know, what is it that we're seeing here in in Lewiston that the Christian community could really embrace? And um, I thought about the homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. You know, uh, there's always been homeless around. Right. With these huge encampments that we're seeing, and uh, and uh, the the numbers of people that are involved, and and you know, I, I don't know, I don't I don't believe everything that I hear on the news, but I can believe what uh, what I see with my eyes. I think uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm 72 years old. I've never seen this before. Right. And and they're saying, um, you know, they're saying that neither has this country seen this kind of homelessness since the Great Depression. I don't think so, yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's as bad as the Great Depression, but boy, it's not getting any better. Mm-hmm. And what another opportunity to, uh, to reach out to the homeless. And, uh, and, and not, only, not only to bless the homeless, but to let the, our light so shine before men that the whole community can see the, our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Because we talk about this love all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but to actually see it uh, is is so uh, impactful. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, and I've said this before, he was he was a MacGyver kind of a guy. Yeah. And he would uh, he would talk about about uh, you know if you got a job to do, and you don't have all the tools to do it, that doesn't mean you don't have to do the job. So you got to look around you, and see what you've got, and go get the job done. I thought, what do I have? Mm, yeah, and uh, and when COVID started, my wife and I cleared half an acre of land and we planted five hundred blueberry bushes. And you want to know what? I've got a lot of blueberries. <laughs> I didn't know that. If I'd have known that back a while ago, I'd have been knocking on your door. You can knock on my door because I'm I'm picking them all summer long. I my freezer is chock full of blueberries, <laughs> and I thought, what wow. can I, what can I do with a freezer full of blueberries? Yeah, and I thought. You know, it'd be kind of a luxury item for uh, for the homeless to have some blueberry pancakes. Absolutely, and I can do that. I used to I used to cook pancakes at a cook shanty up in northern Wisconsin when I was in my twenties, and so I've got some experience cooking pancakes. Oh well, there you go. And uh, and and uh, so I'm I'm thinking about that. And my first thought, 
was, you know, I need some money. I got to have some money to do this. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could get a, um, a food trailer and we could just go around from encampment to encampment and, and uh, make blueberry pancakes. And so I went to a buddy of mine and uh, he knows some people that have mm-hmm. money. Uh-huh. And I thought, I, I said to him, uh, I said to him, you know, we could, we could do this. He says, I'm not interested in that. Really? And, uh, and, and, uh, and yeah, I tried to talk him into it and, and he, no, that, this, he wasn't interested in that. Mm-hmm. I was so disappointed. Yeah, that's a hard th- thing. That's, yeah. that's kind of the end of it. Yeah. And so then I went back and I kind of feeling sorry for myself and I just felt the Lord say, well, what do you got? And I started thinking about that and, and I've, got, um, I've got a little red um, uh, box trailer and the business I'm in, I've got some big heaters that would be wonderful to put out there so people could stay warm right. while they're eating. And so I, I thought, well, I got that. And, and, uh, and I, I thought, um, um, you know, I've, I've, got, you know I've, I've got a lot of the stuff to get going uh, on this, but I don't have a, a, a griddle to cook the, the pancakes on. And so I thought, well, what is that going to cost? So I went on Amazon and a couple other places, and I found out I could buy a griddle for 350 to $600 or something like that. And I thought, I can get started for 500 bucks. I can do that, yeah. And uh, and so I, um, I, uh, I I started thinking about that, and, and uh, I, I started. I was going to order a, a griddle from Amazon, and and uh, and I got this coupon in the mail from Cabela's, and ten uh, percent off. And uh, the next day, the 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 sale was was over. Uh huh. And so I thought, well, you know, I've seen a griddle at uh, Cabela's before, and I'm going to go check at Cabela's and see what they got. And, you know, usually stuff is a little bit more expensive at Cabela's. Right. Yeah. And so I went to Cabela's, and boy, they got this nice griddle there, great big griddle, 300 bucks, 10% off, 10% off on my coupon. Mm -hmm. So I wheeled that thing up to the front counter, and uh, and, uh, I'm down to 270 bucks now. And uh, and I I was checking out, and he says, well, he says, you got some uh, uh, reward dollars on your card. Oh. And I said, well, how much? And he says, $97. Oh, my goodness. And so now I've got that thing for $173. Boom. That's, that's my Praise grill. Praise God. And Boom. so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, boy, this is, this is going good. Amen. Sounds like a little boy with five fish and, and, and well, two Well, you know, that was my next thing that I was going to say, you know. Oh, sorry about that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking about. And yeah. I'm thinking, you know, that's just what Jesus told the disciples. He says, look at what you got yeah, and uh, do something with it. And uh, so this morning, you know, we, we had planned on starting last week, and, and the whole crew of us came down with COVID, and uh, mm-hmm. we're all better now. Uh, but uh, we couldn't do it last week, and we started this week, and I had volunteers show up that I never met before. Uh, we had my, my, you know, what was so exciting to me is that I've got some kids that are not really – Keen on on a lot of church stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, maybe the other way quite a bit. Yeah, and they've been kind of turned off over the years by by some of their experiences in in, in various churches, and mm-hmm. and I'm telling them about it. They want to help me. Praise God. Yeah, they want to help me. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and so we're you know we're talking you know and so I had I had two of my sons and my grandson show up today to help me. Wow. I had uh, four, I think four ladies from all over Maine. Uh, that that came and I'd never met before, but they yeah. they, they they came and they helped us out. It was a blast. Oh, you know, we Praise had God. You know, Isn't that I wonderful. Think, I think we had about twenty people show up, maybe a little bit less than that show up uh, for the for the. Actual, it's good first effort. 
Yeah, you know, we had we I, I had never run the griddle before. I had to hook it up, and and uh, so I didn't know what heat to run it on. And we got all that cleared up. You know, we we uh, we we I packed my trailer. That little trailer was packed full of stuff. I'm telling you what. Yeah. And um, and uh, we we uh, we we got through all that. I brought more stuff that I needed. I can get rid of some of that stuff now, and and uh, and we can we can do that. It will be much more efficient in the right. Oh, you learn as you go. Oh yeah, yeah. So next week, you know, some of the some of the pancakes were delivered to a home homeless encampment uh, not too far away. Mm-hmm. But it was fun, and we'll have more next week. Praise and God. as we keep going with this, it's going to be. It's going to just get better and better. Do you mind if we just kind of pray for that effort? Would you right do that? Now? Yeah. I'd love to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, Father, we just come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, and thank you for what you laid on Dale and other people's hearts to do this for the homeless in Lewiston. And, Father, we pray that you continue to provide as you already have. It's so encouraging to hear what you do when we take a step of faith. And... Um, We pray that you'd be with anyone, Lord, listening who may be in Dale's shoes as he was a while ago, wondering, what do I have? And pray that you would guide them as well. And uh, just pray you'll bless this whole effort and the people in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a couple more minutes I, I want to spend on this. I want to get to you, Ken. I'm not, yep. yeah, uh, I think Dan is going to call in in a couple minutes, and we'll kind of cut it off then. But. You know, when we think about people being homeless, why are they homeless? All kinds of reasons. Yeah. Lots of reasons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I was hearing about some people are homeless now because the economy is in such bad shape that they... I, I'm a friend of mine lives in a local trailer park, and he's saying he doesn't know what... Because <coughs> new people have taken over it, yeah. and they, everybody knows the rent's going up, and sometimes it'll go up... Double. Double or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and people are living on Social Security. They just can't go out and make another, you know, $1,000 a month. Right, right. And so they end up being homeless. I don't know about you, but uh, but when I'm driving around, uh, you, you don't have to be quiet over there, Ken. You can talk, you but, can talk well, to him. <laughs> during my uh, morning prayer I do uh, uh, for my quote-unquote church on my Facebook page, uh, I pray for the people that are unhoused. Mm-hmm. I pray for the addicted. I pray for the people that are suffering from uh, mental health issues, mm. uh, substance use uh, disorder, and uh, being a certified mental health professional myself, there's something called comorbidity. Mm-hmm. And what happens is a lot of things just uh, combine together and people stumble mm-hmm. and it is so hard to get up it is so hard to get up mm. you know rents in lewiston are 12 to 1500 dollars a month who would ever thought i know a, a ssi yeah. only pays well i think it's going to go up to like 940 mm-hmm. in january um just like you said you know food stamps depending upon how many people in your household uh the housing stock it's like non-existent now. Everybody's full. You know, everybody's full. You, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. The, and this is this is my own personal experience. But you see these people out on the street. You know, they're they're begging a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I I, I kind of gives me on a street corner. Uh, yeah, it gives me kind of a yucky feeling inside, and I don't know why they're there. 
you know, I, I you know, I, I, I think there's some prejudices in my life that I think, you know, oh, they're on drugs, and and I've got some experience. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah the, same here. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, there's so many people out there looking for workers now. Yeah. And uh, why don't they go out and get a job and and, mm-hmm. uh, and and that kind of thing? And I'm I'm just I'm 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 driving by and I'm I'm thinking these things and and what oh I got I got to leave now. And, and Dan Campbell's oh here he is he's on the phone he's got a um, um I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm wondering uh you know what should I what should I do and I think I think you're right I mean I think there's all kinds of reasons that um, a lot of these people aren't are, are able on to the work. S- on the street mm-hmm. and uh and but we don't know what they are and this this yeah hi Dan how are you just one second and uh you know, we're gonna we're going to go to Dan here in a minute, but I, I think about these people on the street, and there's all kinds of reasons, and we mm-hmm. don't know what those reasons are. Mm-hmm. You know, and what, if people are in drugs, they still need us to. Uh, uh, maybe uh, even yeah. more, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to enable that behavior or right. encouraging it, but but we need to come alongside of it and and, uh, and and say, you know, God loves you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you can't say that by ignoring people. Right. Um, so anyway, Dan. You're, here's Dan is the man. He we're kind of uh, we're kind of joining him in his efforts there in the street, and he's he's out there every morning, about four o'clock in the morning, and uh, distributing stuff. and And we've asked him to call in here and give us an update, a quick update on what's going on out there. Uh, absolutely, and uh, thank you for allowing me to, to present that. Uh, just a big uh, piggyback, just what you just said, Dale, is that one thing I have to remember: it doesn't really matter for the reason why they're there. Yeah. Uh, we're not here to judge that, and I'm not saying that to you, but one of the, I can't help but think of one of the scriptures is that we are here to do for those who cannot do for themselves. And there's lots of reasons why they can't do for themselves. When it comes to the homeless, uh, it's getting, uh, it's, it's, it's mushroomed. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of other communities, and uh, I, most of the communities have been caught off guard with the mushrooming. Uh, there's lots of reasons why they're, you know, the biggest reason, the increase that I see are those individuals that are on fixed income and lost their housing uh, mm-hmm. due to yeah. rent, rent increase. Yeah. Um, that, that's number one. There's a lot of, lot of mental illness out there. But uh, the beautiful part is a lot of people, a lot of people have come forward. I have a question for you, Dan. Okay. How'd it go today? It was so much fun, Dan. Uh, we had we had we had probably about about I don't know twenty people or so that actually showed up there at the park, but then uh, Bill came along and he took some uh, some other pancakes to that that encampment that you took us to the last week and uh, yeah. there were some clothing there the the uh, the the ladies that you had show up were a big help and I was telling people here my my kids and my grandson came and and uh and we learned a lot you know it was just enough people for us to really get a good start on on understanding how the equipment works and how everything's packed and and unpacked and and uh and setting up and stuff like that so i'm looking for more people next week um uh, getting the bugs out getting the bugs out and there's you know again um weather is a a big deterrent when it comes to a lot of of that situation but uh, I know that uh, the L.A. Jesus House uh, would bring their people down there because they don't give breakfast on Saturday morning. Yeah, we had one and, show up uh, from there. Yeah, and uh, and they knew about it. And, and, and again, uh, Good Shepherd, uh, you know, uh, St. Martin's, and some of the other shelters, uh, everything's full. Uh, we'd love to come down there. We just have to... Uh, Get the uh, word out. You know, yeah. 
I, I'm glad. I'm glad we. I'm glad we had the crowd we did today. It was just perfect. So Dan, what, what do you? What do you? Saw a video of it. It was great. I. Uh, what do you? What do you need uh, from our supporters here? And uh, and and what uh, what don't you need? Okay, great question. Uh, what I don't need at the moment, um, and and I never like to say no <laughs> to anything. I'm actually uh, getting a storage house. I'm getting so much stuff. I'm getting a lot of clothing at this point that I, I don't need. What I do need is lots of blankets. I need winter sleeping bags, uh, winter tents, um, some really some more boots, lots of gloves, lots of hats. And the piece I, I, I don't like asking for, but it's been a saving grace in this cold weather, um, donations. Um, and, and part of that, I mean, like this, this just past week, I put over 14 people in, in hotels, and, and thank God we did. Mm. Uh, as it is, uh, a couple of people this week already went to the hospital for hypothermia, and it's only going to get worse. It's just, and I sent two people to the hospital, and guess what? They had pneumonia, mm. and they had to go back out and sleep on the ground mm. with no sleeping bag wow. uh, and they and they were left the hospital with pneumonia oh my goodness yep wow, wow. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot that we can do, Dan, and uh, and this is one way that uh, that that the Christian community can come together and do something wonderful, and uh, that's that's very visible because the community needs Jesus, and and if we're just talking oh. about it and we're not acting on that, it's like it's like a clanging cymbal. Is that what Paul mm -hmm. said? Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, and so the the, uh, the actions back up the words, and uh, and so. So, Dan, uh, if, if people have donations or, or things, can they call you? They can call me. Uh, I can give them my Venmo number, uh, my address. And, again, I hate asking for donations, but it's needed. Yeah. And so the reason why I even mention it. Yeah. Well, I know that you're donating more than you should. I already know that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, do you want to give, give them a phone number where they can call you? Sure. Um, and, and a lot of people have, and, and uh, Gerald Johnson, if you're out there, I'm sorry, I'm not ignoring you. It's just a really difficult time lately. Uh, but my number is 207-713-3939. Oh, God bless you, Dan. Uh, we'll be talking again next week. I want, I want to hear this on a regular basis. This is the cold time of year, and this is when it's really needed. And, uh, and we're so excited. I wish I had more time, but I tell you, a lady came by last night, and at 9 o'clock at night met me uh, at the at the exit where I live and uh, gave me a, a bunch of blankets and, and, and good stuff. So they're, they're listening out there, and I appreciate Thank every God. one of you that are stepping up to the plate and helping. So th thanks, Dan. God bless you. Well, thank you, and, and God bless everybody out there, and thank you for everything that everybody's doing. Okay. God okay. bless. Yeah. Well, that was Dan Campbell, and he is, he is right in the center of it constantly there and uh just what a heart he has for for uh, for what he's doing and I, I feel so fortunate that uh that we that we have we have the opportunity to uh, to uh, connect with him and uh and um and do something i think that's wonderful you know part of what we're doing is is not just not just um feeding them blueberry pancakes i don't think blueberry pancakes are going to solve homelessness but uh, but I think what's going to happen is that as we get to know these people on a personal basis, we're going to know who needs help, and who wants help, and uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be looking for resources for those folks. Uh, but 
But the first thing that's got to happen is we've got to build a relationship so we know who we're dealing with and we know what we're dealing with, and we don't have any idea. You know, all these prejudices that I was talking about, I think, exist in a lot of us. And, uh, and, and they're, they're, you know, the Good Samaritan, I mean, uh, he, 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 he was the only one after the religious people walked by. Well, it, a, a big thing is also providing this, uh, these people with information. Um, you know, they, they might have had, um, you know, bad experience or two with, um, with the main department of uh, human services, but also there are nonprofits uh, throughout the whole state. Um, uh, places, you know, like Sweets or Common Ties, Spurwink, um, that help provide mental health services, that help provide case management, um, and, uh, you know, uh, to benefits, you know, whether SNAP food stamps or, or really uh, get into the Social Security system for, for disability or SSI. Um, it takes an awful lot for these people to stand out on the uh, street corners with a sign. Um, you know, I, I live on Horton Street in Lewiston, uh, right across from Basilica, and it's my, my neighborhood is just chock full of people just walking the streets all different times of day and night, uh, all different seasons of the year. And, uh, you know, I do what I can in regards to spreading the word with different agencies and things. Uh, and, of course, when it's cold, hey, hop, cup of coffee, tea, can you, uh, a sandwich. Uh, can you introduce your boss here, um, uh, Ken? Yes, this is uh, Claude Carbonell. He is the uh, Kairos of Maine uh, State Chapter Committee uh, outgoing chairman and he's been with us for 10 years on a leadership role and I'll hand everything over to him. Claude we're glad to have you online today and uh, and um, uh, he's here to represent Kairos Ministries and uh, so uh, why don't you uh, spend a, just a minute here Claude uh, reacquainting us with Kairos what do you do? Okay well thanks very much I appreciate it appreciate the opportunity and uh, I'm really not Ken's boss. There's okay. only one boss that okay. we all have. Amen. So I'll just make that point. Um, first of all, maybe just sharing a little bit about the ministry itself, maybe a brief overview, some background, might be helpful to the listeners. Sure. Um, in our country, approximately 113 million families are directly and have been directly impacted by incarceration, meaning a family member has been incarcerated. 60% of African-American families have been impacted by incarceration. 48% of Hispanic American families have been impacted by incarceration. And 42% of white families have been impacted by incarceration. Those are big numbers. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, currently, there are about 2 million individuals who are incarcerated. And uh, an interesting fact is that 95% of those individuals will one day be released and returning to our communities. 
at this point, it might be helpful to share what the vision of Kairos is and also what the mission of the, the, the organization is. Starting with the vision, it's a community spiritually freed from the effects of imprisonment, reaching all impacted by incarceration through the love, hope, and faith found in Jesus Christ. The mission of Kairos Prison Ministry is to share the transforming love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ to impact the hearts and lives of incarcerated men, women, youth, as well as their families to become loving and productive citizens of their communities. Mm. Kairos uh, organization is a lay-led, non-denominational Christian organization. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. The organization is headquartered in DeBerry, Florida. It has approximately 11 paid staff that support approximately 30,000 volunteers in our country, as well as in several foreign countries. The ministry operates through a lay-led state chapter, which has overall responsibility for the ministry in its state, and then through various advisory councils that work directly with the institutions to whom they are assigned. For example, we have now two advisory councils, one for the main state prison, which is known as the Warren Ad Advisory Council, and one at the main correctional center for the women, known as the Wyndham Advisory Council. <clears throat> These uh, various advisory councils not only work with the two institutions we, we discussed, but uh, across the country, they'll work with incarcerated men, women, youth, and women impacted by incarceration. Kairos is one ministry, but it has three programs. The first one is Kairos Inside, which is what we do at the main state prison, as well as at the main correctional center for women. There's Kairos Torch, which is for youthful offenders. And then Kairos outside for women impacted by incarceration. Our program has its roots in Curcio, Tres Dias, Walk to Emmaus, and the other four-day so-called street weekends. Currently in Maine, as I indicated, Kairos Inside is done at the Maine State Prison in Warren, and we will restart Kairos inside for the women at the main correctional center with their next week uh, weekend on uh, January 25th uh, through the 28th so that really uh, shares with you at least some of the basics uh, it, it's important to know that we provide a consistent program and delivery we focus very heavily on training our volunteers with a minimum of 32 hours of training for each weekend that takes place. In addition, the, the leader for the particular weekend is required to attend 
advanced Kairos training, which is a leadership training program offered by the ministry. Each volunteer also receives a 300-page-plus training manual for their use. Uh, lastly, the program itself, in the program itself, we have weekly and monthly reinforcement activities for the grad. I give you a pretty good, hopefully, a pretty good idea of some of the basics around Cairo. So when you go into uh, this is Mike this is Mike Whitney I'm uh, stepping in for Bob uh, Bomier right now um, when you go into a prison what's your message to them? Well, uh, first of all, I guess I would I would say that this is primarily a message of love and of uh, fellowship and uh, the spirit of God uh, leading them to uh, hopefully. Uh, a change in their lives. Uh, we offer Kairos Insight, and um, I'd like to speak about that in a little bit, if that's okay, um, since that's the program that we're currently doing in here in Maine. Uh, the program <clears throat> uh, is made up of a team of uh, well-trained, well-organized Christian volunteers who deliver within an institution, a four-day program, essentially a short course in Christianity. The individuals involved uh, work very closely with the chaplain in the facility or the institution. That chaplain is really responsible to find the residents who will attend the Kairos program. The Kairos model recommends that a third of those residents attending the program would be positive leaders within the institution, a third negative leaders in the institution, and a third from the general population. The objective is obviously to help start changing the culture within that facility. <coughs> the uh, the program strategy brings together these leaders as well as the general population folks together to attend the event that includes carefully organized and coordinated talks, discussions, meditations, and <coughs> excuse me, music and activities that are led by the servant leaders and volunteers. For Many of the participants, this experience really creates a desire to become a Christian if they're not one already, and if they are, to really work on growing their relationship with the Lord. The, <coughs> the team of volunteers, it should be noted, are uh, essentially gender-specific to the residents in the institution. So men do the program for the men, women do the program for the women. The uh, participants are guided through the program and receive knowledge of the steps that they uh, to understand the Christian life. Each, each day has a specific focus and the day's talks, the meditations, the music, 
and the activities are all focused around that particular theme. And essentially, each uh, everything has its place and everything has an order. The goal of uh, this short course in Christianity is to build a Christian community within the institution. In order to make that happen, one of the critical aspects of the Kairos uh, program is to assist the participants to form three, three to six person groups, prayer and share groups, where they have an opportunity on a weekly basis to share their walk with the Lord, to pray with each other and for each other, to hold each other accountable in their walk, and to support each other, so that they, in the, when they go out into their uh, community and in the institution, are able to share God's love with those around them. One of the things that we believe is very uh, important, and uh, in some respects unique to Kairos, is that essentially it's a three-word phrase, we come back. Um, once a month after the program is delivered, a group of volunteers, sometimes between 12 and 20, will return to the facility for a reunion with all past Kairos graduates. All of them are invited. But what happens at those reunions is that there's more opportunity to pray together, to have fellowship together, to share what's happening in our lives. And oftentimes we have one or two speakers, essentially residents, who will share what's happening in their walk with the Lord as inspirational uh, material for all of us. In addition, I mentioned that prayer and share is an important part of what the ministry is looking to accomplish to help change the environment. Once a month, we also go back. Uh, typically, there are three to five volunteers who go in on that particular day, and the groups, the prayer and share groups, meet collectively in one space though they work in their own individual groups. And the volunteers are there primarily to provide support, any assistance that they may need, answer any questions, but the groups themselves run what takes place in their group. Hmm. I, um, I just have a question uh, for you, Claude, if I may. Uh, when, when, you, um, when you go in, you say it's a four-day thing. Now... It, is it something different each week, or is it the same thing each of the four days, each successive week? Um, the the program that we run typically is run twice a year in the in a facility. We just oh, finished our Kairos number forty in October, and the next one is scheduled, I believe, sometime in May of next year. Um, but it's the same program every time we go in. It, I see. It's, and um, though all of us look at it as it's always Kairos number one because the volunteers who go in aren't necessarily always the same volunteers that go in to present the program. So uh, from that perspective, uh, the training and uh, the forming of, of a cohesive group 
is, is really important and uh, requires that we do that training, that's 32 hours of training uh, together uh, again and again and again uh, to make sure we, we do the best, very best job we can for those who mm. are going to be attending the program. Mm. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm just full of questions here. Uh, it's sure. kind of what I do. Uh, <laughs> That's why you're here, Mike. Uh, okay, okay. Um, so when uh, when a person comes to uh, want to be a Christian, what what do you tell them? Well, uh, frankly, at the point where they decide, based upon what they've experienced, that they want to pursue becoming a Christian, the chaplain is the one who they're, whom, to whom they're directed. Uh, they have the opportunity, that is, the chaplain has the opportunity to find whatever denomination the individual wants to pursue. They, they're able to find the, the uh, various ministers, priests, uh, those who uh, are able to assist that individual in exploring the Christian faith in more detail and to become uh, eventually a Christian. Okay. That's interesting. So, so when I'm just when you present the program, is the gospel in there? You know about you know repentance and faith and. Um, um, you know, I might be able to answer that by talking a little bit about <coughs> the focus that takes place, because there's a different focus each day. But to answer your question, there are a number of references to the Bible. Uh, to the gospel um, throughout the particular weekend, but we do not spend an awful lot of time developing uh, conversations directly about specific readings uh, or spending a lot of time uh, in readings, but we do provide some basics as well as uh, opportunities for the individuals to go back because we provide the Bible verses, etc., uh, where, where that we're focused on, uh, to them for their own opportunity to delve into it more deeply. I see. So, but uh, I'm sorry. Are there other questions that you might have? Uh, I can certainly talk about the various focuses on the four days if that's if you might find that helpful. Yeah, I think I think that would be great. It, it it's really interesting to know how a person, you know, how a ministry does their ministry. Um, you know, uh, I think that's important. Um, there are essentially four encounters that take place in Kairos through the four days. Uh, the first is encountering Kairos itself. Clearly, the participants when they first arrive in the morning have absolutely no clue of what's going on. Mm. They don't know if it's something that they're going to be uh, comfortable with. They don't know if it's something that uh, uh, will make a difference for them or not. Uh, they oftentimes clearly don't know the volunteers and in many cases don't know all the participants that are going to be part of the program. So it, it's very important um, right out of the gate that we be very sensitive to uh, all of that. Essentially, what we say and what we do is very, very important 
because clearly we want them to keep coming back uh, day after day. So how do we make that process hopefully go uh, as smoothly as possible? Well, first of all, as soon as they walk in, they're greeted and assigned a sponsor or mentor, which is obviously one of the volunteers. And uh, the two, that is the participant as well as a volunteer, will go get themselves a cup of coffee, have a seat, and uh, the volunteer is there to answer any questions they may have. They start talking about each other's uh, life, essentially where they're from, what they may have done for work, what the participant may be doing for work within facility. Essentially, sharing each other um, uh, some of our personal information um, and to convey uh, to that participant that we enjoy being with him or her in, if, if it's the women's ministry. Essentially, as volunteers, we're asked to put ourselves in the shoes of the participant. Mm -hmm. The leader, yep. the weekend leader, uh, is, is critical at this point, and when we start with the program itself, uh, the leader will share some of the, of what to expect during the week, the four days, and uh, also uh, will make, make it very clear that all of us who come into the facility are not there to change anyone. However, if they desire to change, then we're there to support them. Uh, aside from sharing that information, the leader will also start the process of introducing Kairos as well as helping all of us in introducing ourselves to one another so that everybody gets to know who's in the room. Um, that's primarily uh, the most important aspects of the first day. The second day is really about encountering self. After the first day, some of the participants might feel a little bit more comfortable than the prior day. Let's hope all of them do. Um, but there's still a desire to feel included. And that's, that doesn't automatically happen. But for us as volunteers, it's clear we cannot make any expectations of them or judge them in any way. There's a mantra that we use in Kairos, which applies throughout the four days as well as any time we're with them, and it goes like this. Listen, listen, love, love. Amen. That's the, that's the mantra. Mm -hmm. During that first day, or the second day, I should say, excuse me, we, we help the participants explore themselves. The discussions that take place after the talks or the meditations, the activities that uh, take place are all built around exploring self. And here, our, our goal is to help them find the, their comfort level in expressing themselves about what they've heard or what they've experienced. We try to engage everyone to share their thoughts on what they've heard or seen or experienced, especially in the talks and the meditations that have taken place. 
On the third day, here we're talking about encountering Christ, meeting Jesus, and the fact that he loves all of us as his children and offers each one of us, no matter what we've done, forgiveness. There's a, a very, very strong message of forgiveness in this particular day. Mm -hmm. The individuals through the process of the first couple of days have gotten to know themselves a little bit better and recognize maybe where they need to forgive themselves for some of what's happened. And frankly, in many respects, that's the hardest forgiveness for each of them to, uh, to take upon themselves. As a Kairos graduate, Claude, uh, the whole journey through the Kairos 40 program it is uh, uh, it, it's enlightening, but it, it's also uh, really hard on us because a lot of us uh, didn't grow up in in a family uh, with support or uh, have a love expressed to us, and um, this is really a, a journey that uh, looking in the mirror also you know, for why you're in prison where you are and just blown away by the fact that, you know, these 24, 26 volunteers come in and say that they love us regardless. Um, Hard to swallow. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, as a participant my, myself, I'm a Kairos graduate of Kairos 20 back in May 2009. I've been with this ministry for 14 years. And uh, Claude's right. Uh, the volunteers have become my mentors and my best friends. And you're speaking from experience. Um, I'm I'm speaking from experience. I've done 16 uh, Kairos four-day programs in the last 14 years. Mm -hmm. and how did how did how does how has your life changed as a result, uh, Ken? If you would have asked me in 2006 that I would be a man of God, that I would be surrounded by changed men and women that um, have unconditional love for, for me, uh, for especially people in prison, um, I would have said you're nuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. uh, this really did change my life. So, you know, I, I'm thinking as we're, we're, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick, and I, I don't mean to cut you out, Claude, we'll have you on again, but I just want to hear from Ken a little bit here because, you know, he's, he's experienced something that, that I think Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. Yep. In uh, the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, and, uh, and um, um, you know, I, as I'm thinking about this, it says, Jesus says, you've clothed, You've, you've fed the hungry, mm -hmm. you've clothed the naked, which is what the homeless ministry mm -hmm. is doing. Yeah. You've visited those in the hot, the, in, in, in the, the, you've healed the sick and you've visited those in prison. You know, this sounds like... And what you've done to the least of those you've done to me. Yeah, and then there's two sides to this too, isn't there? What you have done and not what you haven't done. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm curious, you know, uh, so much... You know, when, when you say that these people came in and they expressed their love to you and, and they really lived it out in, in, in so many ways, uh, it's, so di it's so different when, when you're, when you're, um, 
when you're hearing the words is when people are actually laying down their life for you and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to give up some time and and uh, and I'm going to be your mentor and I'm going to be your uh, your 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 person that uh, your well, go-to that's person. Well, Claude said. Claude said, we show up, we yeah. come back, yeah, mm. and mm. they so do. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's very important. Uh, I've done uh, 16 years, two months, and 13 days with Maine Department of Corrections. I've only been out for about a year and a half. And um, when a reunion for Kairos um, was canceled, either by you know, the facility or, or other things that have been happening, I was really bummed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was out on probation in 2015-17 in Portland, and I, and I went back to have my probation terminated. And my probation officer said, why? And I said, because I get to see my best friends once a month. Mm-hmm. And she didn't understand that. And then as the years have gone by, she's had more and more Kairos graduates as probationers. And by the time my roommate got her just a couple of years ago, she understood. Mm. She, it's... It's this closeness. It, it's this. Um, it, it's this being an environment of no judgment, mm. um, an environment of love. When you walk into the worship hall, into the prison, and you see all these familiar faces w- with Kairos volunteers, I have two pictures here. Um, one of Kairos thirty-nine, which was in October, and. Uh, last May and uh, Kairos 40 that was in October and when you see these same volunteer faces it's like you're not in prison just for those couple of hours Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you do develop relationships with these people you do develop um, mentor mentee Uh, there's an informal re-entry network where People know people just like you do with the homeless and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And there are informal networks. And um, it continues when uh, a Kairos graduate gets out uh, uh, and we could bring them back into our fold, into the ministry, so they see the other side and what goes into preparing a four-day program inside, which, which is a whole other experience. And we have something called the Outside Support Team that supports uh, and makes meals for the gentlemen that go into the prison. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the relationship is critical to, uh, to the success. Now, you had some uh, information about recidivism. I can't say it. Recidivism. That's a big yeah. word. Yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kairos is in 40 states. Uh, I'm going I'm to interrupt you. We've got seven seconds left, and I just want to say this, that uh, if you're not doing something, you've got two plans right here in, uh, in Maine today. We can, we can feed the homeless. We can get involved Amen. with Kairos. And if you're not doing something, God has told you what to do. You don't have to wait for something. He's already right. told you, feed the homeless, clothe the naked. You know, uh, visit those in prison. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Kairosamain.org.